Hey, what's up, everyone? I just wanted to make this quick um, heads up that this interview was also one of the interviews that I was originally going to run on my upcoming podcast called Unlocking Human Potential. But it made a little more sense to put this interview on this particular show. So at the end, you might hear me mention Unlocking Human Potential or something. Just know that's why. Other than that, this is a dope interview. And enjoy. Peace. Welcome to Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs, the podcast for busy and high-performing entrepreneurs and leaders who are looking to create more energy and optimize their health while upgrading their brain and personal performance with precision. I am your host, Julian Hayes II. I've been involved with health and performance for over a decade. This podcast was created for the high performer who is unapologetically ambitious, the one who moves at a fast pace and operates with an edge, the one who wants to become superhuman. Nothing here is fluff, gimmicky, or feel good. I have little to no interest in simply helping you improve your life. I want to help transform it. By listening to this podcast, expect to have a body that feels just as good as it looks. Expect to possess a swagger and style that gives off an infectious vibe. Expect to command the stage or any boardroom you walk into with your executive presence. And lastly, expect to become your most enhanced self so you can live a limitless life. Now, let's get to the show. And today is we're talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is sleep. And so, you know, as I've stated many times, that we're sleeping one hour less than we did back in the 1940s. And especially with entrepreneurs and high performers in general, we tend to wear a badge of honor now when it comes to skipping sleep, uh, all in the name of hustle. But losing this one hour is not only affecting our health and energy, like many people focus on, it's in the big picture, affecting our human potential and our, and our ability to make our biggest impact. So today's guest is, I have Dr. Dan here with me, who is also known as Dr. Snooze, which is a very cool name. And he's the co-founder and CEO of Sonic Sleep. And he's also an adjunct assistant professor at Penn State University. He has a PhD in cognitive psychology, extensive expertise in sleep, AI, and preventative health. He has spent most of his career on improving sleep health. He's been granted multiple patents along with developing a plethora of sleep tech. You've probably seen him in many national magazines. And if you watch TV, you've probably seen him on the Today Show. So with all of that said, thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Dan. Julian, great, for, great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got this uh, we got this um, time booked. Uh, you know, uh, we first came into uh, connection probably like a year ago when you wrote an article on the, I think it was eight and a half hours of sleep as your recommendation. Oh, yeah. so, eight and a half is the new eight. Yeah, I like that. So before we get into that, what is your origin story? How did you end up in where you are right now? What made you do that? Yeah, I mean, really how this all started was me observing how broken the healthcare system was as a kid whose dad was a doctor and mom was a nurse. 
And growing up, they actually always told me to not go into medicine. <laughs> um, and a lot of doctors actually say that to their kids because, you know, in the U.S., the whole system really got messed up in the 90s with insurance companies. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I, um, I was told that too. I dropped out of medical school after a year. So Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. I just no, find that yeah. funny. We hear that a lot. It's really sad. I mean, a whole generation of doctors literally told their kids not to become doctors. I've seen it a lot. Um, And, you know, basically what happened is for the doctor to continue to actually make like reasonable money like they were making before, they had to become increasingly specialized. And there's a couple of factors here that point towards why sleep might be the important thing to unlock this problem of our healthcare system. So first off, you know, when it comes to sleep, everyone's, um, the doctor usually only spends like thir- like 20 minutes in, med- in medical school, like really focusing on it. And as that's happened, all these doctors have got, become so specialized that if you have a sleep disorder, you might talk to your general practitioner, a pulmonologist, a neurologist, um, a psychologist. Um, even even a cardiologist sometimes has gotten into this game with a CPAP. And really what I want to do with my life is improve the health of everyone. Um, you know, not just necessarily one person, which is a great thing and people need to do that. But I see this problem is so big that we really need to make systematic changes in order to address it. And since sleep is the human behavior that we literally do the most of, um, this idea crossed my mind when I was a senior in college. If I could just improve this one physiological process, even a small percentage, it would have you know a massive global impact and maybe start the preventative health revolution. Um, you know, in the future, we're imagining a reality where you go to your doctor and first off, I'm a psych- cognitive psychologist, not a medical doctor. So just going to throw that out there first and foremost, but we're imagining this future where you go to your doctor instead of them giving you some kind of sleep aid that has never been validated for long-term use, um, and doesn't really get at the core of the problem usually. Um, they can actually give a software solution that has better efficacy than the drug. And to do that, it's really creating these personalized interventions that manipulate your environment, especially with sound, light, and temperature, optimizing those things while you're sleeping, and also teaching people the, the science of relaxation and to deactivate their fight or flight response system that oftentimes runs away with them due to the problems involved with modern technology. So kind of all these things, modern technology, broken healthcare system, um, you know, not personalized medicine and over prescribing drugs have kind of all come together. And I think that now is the time where wearables are finally uh, you know, able to implement these personalized solutions that we've imagined for 10 years. Yeah, I fully agree on that. I actually have a wearable on right now. And 
so starting with that, I heard on another podcast, um, you talked about sleep need and how it includes both our quantity and quality. Um, so why is that? Yeah. I'm, so basically when you sleep, you want REM and deep sleep. Those are the things that are thought to be most regenerative. Deep sleep um, is associated with all these positive health outcomes, memory consolidation, human growth hormone, cell recovery. Um, we've recently studied its association with Alzheimer's and cleaning out beta amyloid plaques, which is, there's a lot of causal evidence for that right now. Um, REM is also important and they're tied together. REM is kind of when you replay um, and consolidate all the things that happen during the day. Um, so when you disrupt REM, you also have really problems with remembering things like they do these studies where they selectively inhibit REM and like people can't remember what you just said. Like you're basically simulating dementia. Like they can't remember what you said like five minutes ago and stuff like that. Um, so when I think about quality, I think about basically ways of enhancing your deep sleep and REM. And a lot of that has to do with creating the ideal um, environment while you're sleeping so you're not having these arousals at night. So you actually wake up, even a healthy sleeper can wake up like three to five times an hour um, and have no conscious awareness of that at all. So one of the things that we do is block out noise pollution with a sound mask. Like that's an easy way to address this problem of noises and noise pollution waking you up. Um, so stopping the awakenings, stopping the brain arousals, um, and actually increasing REM and deep sleep. And we can get into how you do that. A lot of it has to do with circadian rhythm, um, really trying to entrench that rhythm so your body has the right cues for when it should be awake and when it should be asleep. And then also these kind of um, more interesting, but um, you know, we're still exploring how you can actually use sound to prime different brain states. And we have some research that we're publishing right now where we can actually play sounds at a certain pulse rate and we've shown that we can increase that deep sleep in a laboratory setting wow yeah. okay so <laughs> i'm going to come back to sound i have a few I'm, I'm curious about a few things speaking on the awakening so i woke up i think 17 times last night that's what, mm. my, what band told me 17 times and so it cost me i think like 45 minutes Mm. of sleep yeah it costs me 45 minutes of sleep and so um i'm curious on rim and deep sleep and so one thing when i'm working with clients is you could tell me if this is good or not is when i'm looking at rim and deep sleep i'm looking at a combination of at least getting three hours combined of those two mm. and at least an hour of deep and two hours of rim what do you think about that is that a decent base is that a good baseline I mean, that if people are actually getting that, mm -hmm. it would be very good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, as you get older, you naturally get less. Usually, you start out um, with about, like a 20-year-old will usually spend about 20% of their time in deep sleep. But by the time you're 80, it goes down to like 7.5%. Um, so part of it is... It's hard to give, and this is why sleep is such a hard thing, I think, for companies to solve, but also for me, why I find it so interesting is that it's a very personalized thing. So like maybe a good deep sleep for you is like an hour and a half 
but an hour is really good for someone else. Um, and sometimes when you create these unrealistic expectations for people, it can be problematic. And also something I really want to emphasize is that these devices, wearables still, are pretty inaccurate at measuring deep sleep. Um, you really need an electrode to get truth data on deep sleep. We measure it in a tricky way where we're kind of surgically measuring it at specific times where we're highly certain that they're in a specific stage in order to deliver an intervention. But this idea that you know your Fitbit or a Whoop, whatever, tells you that you had X amount of deep sleep. Like, I, I mean, I'm using an Aura Ring right now and I love it, but when I, when I look at the data, I don't give too much credence to the deep sleep number sometimes. Okay. That's just because I've gone to a sleep lab and I know I get a healthy amount of deep sleep. Like I know my brain is functioning normally because I've seen the truth data in a lab. Okay. And so, so people that have this at home and when we're looking at that, so it sounds like the best approach would be to, to look at that data but also not let that be the judge and jury, but to also think about how you are feeling and how you are, I guess, operating throughout the day. Yeah, I guess another thing that you can think about is it provides good relative truth. Mm -hmm. um, like when it says more deep sleep or less deep sleep, I don't doubt that you had a better night of deep sleep on that first night. Just the, the actual raw amount is probably not that accurate and there's actually an issue going on now in the sleep literature i forget the word for it but people overly getting stressed out about the metrics that their fitbits are telling or whatever device is telling them and that can actually cause <laughs> more sleep disruption and so it's something that when i talk to some clients i try to make sure that you know the device is useful it's providing some information but don't stress out about it basically yeah so it's it's good for awareness and kind of to get you thinking about it a little more, but it's, it's, it's still, it's, we're still a little ways off from it being just spot on accurate. Yeah. And I mean, for the sleep wake stuff, it's, it's pretty darn good, especially the whoop. Well, I guess okay. a great wearable. So like if you, I give it more credence for when it's like telling me how much I've actually slept. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, like, and, I think for everyone, like that's one of the most important things is like, first and foremost, let's make sure you know how much sleep you need to get. And that's something that's variable between people. And then second off, I know I had this eight and a half hours in the new eight, but really it's a variable thing. Almost everyone needs at least seven on a regular basis. Um, but, um, oh, sorry, I, I just lost my train of thought, but, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so looking, okay. So using the bands are still good for awareness. And so, um, I'm going to move on because there's something else that I okay. heard to talked about and there was uh, sleep age. What, mm. what is that? And how can we discover that? Yeah. Um, so we kind of went into this idea that, you know, if you get a score, it's really hard to figure out how that corresponds to, where you should be compared to other people. Um, so like, what does it mean when you get a sleep score? It's kind of abstract. So we've tried to um, reference your overall score to the night 
with what is typical for your age. Because sleep is something that really varies with age. Um, you know, I mentioned the thing about deep sleep. People also generally sleep less as they get older. Um, so we've tried to, so we've made some algorithms that basically convert the individual's sleep score to what would be expected from the population. And that's going to be more accurate once we roll out our next version of the software. Hmm. Um, but for you, just speaking about your problem real quick with the awakenings, you know, one of the big questions that I would have for you to try to maybe deal with what you had 45 minutes of waking up last night, you said? Yes. Um, so have you, did you, were you conscious of that? Uh, you know, I think maybe like a few times and mm -hmm. then I, I will go back to sleep. So but it wasn't like you were waking up for long periods of time. Oh, no, 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 no. That usually never happens. Usually what happens is, um, so my environment right now is not my environment. So, uh, <laughs> so the temperature is uh, a, is a little, the temperature is a little toasty. <laughs> uh, and so that's one of the big issues. I have used one of these honey. So one of the things I do in my consultations is like figuring out all these hacks to address things like this. Like I have a Honeywell portable air conditioner because I was living in a loft in New York city for a while and it would get hot. Um, but really nailing some technology. There is technology. Obviously, you've heard of like Chili Pad and all these other things. Yeah. Like there are, and there's also this thing, Ember Wave, which is a wrist device, uh, mainly for, I think they mainly market it for like hot flashes and postmenopausal women. But, um, huh, interesting. It's like a wristband that can control body temperature to some degree. That sounds awesome. So, yeah, maybe you can address it. And then there's also the habituation effect where it sounds like you're sleeping in a weird environment. And when that happens, your fight or flight is actually a little bit more activated and you get more sleep quality and more awakenings, like what you experience. Yeah. And so, um, I, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things right there is just the environment. Cause normally, normally it would it it's not like that. So one thing we're trying to do is create these environment cues that sort of simulate your sleep environment wherever you go. So all of a sudden you're not going to some weird hotel or Airbnb or whatever, and you have a horrible night's sleep because it's a strange environment. We're actually sort of trying to bring your environment to you to result, to prevent that issue. So how would you do that? with basically creating an environment of sounds and meditations and cues to help you fall asleep with like a bedtime ritual. Oh, okay. And so this is the perfect segue into talking about your company's um, sonic sleep here. And, you know, I know sound, I'm familiar with sound now, but that was actually one of the last things that I actually even thought of because a lot of times we hear about temperature and we definitely hear about light, but we forget third component which is sound. So why exactly is sound just so critical and with sleep? Well, I think it's, it's critical and it's also really interesting. So like with the light stuff, it's pretty straightforward. Like you want no light or red light at night and you want enough light in the day, blue light, at least an hour, you know, around noon time. With temperature, it's it is a whole. That's a whole. It is kind of complicated. But then with sound, you can just do a lot with sound. So one thing that really surprised me in the sleep lab 
was literally an air conditioning turning on would wake up people's brains and it would negatively impact their sleep quality. So first and foremost, how do we prevent that? Um, and we basically have a sound cushion where it's, it's basically a, a white noise machine. We use a specific type of noise called pink noise um, that's designed to block out more frequencies. And we use that to stop these noise pollution things like a person snoring or an ambulance driving by from disrupting you. Because what actually wakes you up isn't the loudness of the sound, but it's the abruptness. Um, and this is what we've seen in our studies where basically you can play a sound really loud if you ramp it up and we'll literally play sounds of people while they sleep like 70 decibels like me screaming at you and they will have no conscious awareness of it because we're playing it in this specific way and timing during sleep and we basically understand the science of how to play sounds so that your brain responds to it but it doesn't wake you up and with that there's like various applications whether it's deep sleep stimulation, we're even exploring some things with addressing tinnitus. There's like some dream um, targeted memory reactivation things that you can do where you can basically train yourself um, while you're dreaming to perform better on certain tasks the next day. There's some kind of cool evidence of this, but it's still preliminary. So it's just a lot of things that can get done um, with the science of sound. And then we have a gradual alarm clock that wakes you up. And one of the ways that we try to integrate with your everyday experience is let's just make an alarm clock that wakes you up the right way. And honestly, a lot of the software hasn't really done that well. And we wake people up very, very gradually, which is frankly, I think the right way to wake up. So it will start it out almost imperceptible. And then over 10 minutes, you'll start to really hear this. And what that does is it allows you to get a little more sleep when you're sleep deprived. And then also it's less likely to disturb your sleep partner because it's not blasting the person right away. Um, and it's more likely to wake you up in sort of a lighter phase of sleep. So those are the sound things. Okay. So what caught my attention was the learning part. So I could essentially use this also to help with language learning as well, correct? Yeah, we have some functionality in there right now that kind of does it, but it's very preliminary. I'm just going to mm -hmm. throw that out there. But what captivated me in this space is there was this interesting paper published where you basically were to, they instruct you to learn a task, and while you're learning it, they'll expose you to certain smells and then they would replay those smells when you're in a dream state. And since during your dreams, you're consolidating information in a conscious way, they're able to basically prime that task that you were learning through the cue of the smell. So they played the smell while you were in that dream state. And then that actually made you perform better on that task the next day. Um, so you could theoretically do something very similar with sound, you know, maybe play certain sounds, um, while you're learning a task and then replay those sounds when you're in a dream state. And this is something that like the Russian Olympians have been doing for a while is like trying to, um, visualize their dive or whatever exercise they're doing while they're trying to fall asleep. And when you do that, you naturally, and even trying to like lucid dream it and then you're really just encoding how to do that. Um, and 
I, I think it could change how people train and practice for things. Yeah, I, I would, that, that seems there's a lot of potential right there. That's a, I can see huge things right there. Yeah. Just knowing the technology is not a trivial thing, but we're, we're working on it. Yeah. So I will be one of the first ones in line when it cool. is ready <laughs> because language learning, uh, are you trying to learn a new language? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm attempting to learning Russian right now. <laughs> oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> yes, it's so. It's the first one, and uh, it, I picked one of the most difficult ones to to learn with first. But you know, this is. I want to visit a lot of those countries, so you know, it needs to be done. Nice. So, so yeah. So that's why that was music that uh, perked me up when I heard that. So, uh, what are some other, I guess, hacks and habits that you do yourself to optimize your sleep on a daily basis? Yeah, I'll tell you the things that I found to be most helpful. So I have a crazy situation set up in my home, like a lot of smart lights. And I basically wake up and I, I say, "Google, hey, Google, I'm going to bed. And I have a regimen <laughs> of lights that happens with a relaxation track. And then, hey, Google, I'm up. And I, have, I find like music and sound is something that I use a lot to sort of biohack, honestly, because it really gets me into different brain states. And then um, I have blackout blinds, obviously. I'm trying to get these automatic blinds to work with our system right now. Um, and so we can use Sonic, set an alarm, and it'll basically create all of these regimens is, is one thing that we're trying to do. And we're integrating with these, this bulb, LifeX. Um, you really should get like red light, if anything, while you're going to bed. And so we're going to kind of time it based on your circadian rhythm such that you're getting, it's giving you the right hue and brightness based on your natural circadian rhythm to try to entrench that rhythm. Um, so really knowing what my rhythm is was one of the first things and knowing what my sleep need was to improve. That, that was one of the first things that anyone can do is to know that about themselves in order to respect their sleep. And, you know, even just knowing when you're tired or not tired, like, only go to bed if you're tired and because if you don't you're not going to be able to fall asleep that was a big thing another kind of newer thing that i did which really surprised me how effective it was was honestly just turning off all notifications on my phone yes um like we are in this fight or flight response mode all the time now because you could get a phone call at any time you can get a text at any time like I mean, I guess I can still get a phone call, but I, I was classically conditioned so much to have part of my brain aware of this device that it was overactivating my fight or flight response. And knowing how to relax um, and just be calm and not um, hypervigilant is one of the best ways to improve your sleep quality. Um, whether it's doing a breathing exercise, you know, I don't have strong opinions on what works for people. Um, I think there's a lot of things that can work, whether it's a breathing thing, you know, TM, transcendental meditation, um, you know, this uh, thing where you listen to uh, weird sounds on YouTube and people like, what is it? E the, what is, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, there's a lot of things that yeah, relax. Kind of, yeah, I'm having a brain yeah. freeze right now. I can't think of it. <laughs> So we don't, we don't have a strong opinion on, on what relaxes people. We're just trying to create the platform that puts it all together. 
Yeah. So one of the things that we have is like a progressive muscle relaxation, a body scan, like an ocean waves, but we're also building a lot more content right now to help people figure out how to unwind um, and get their brain ready for sleep. Got you. And so that's that should be encouraging to people to hear that there there isn't just one way to do it. You know, it's truly being like a scientist and just experimenting what works for you. Totally. And that's just why sleep is so interesting to me is like when I talk to my clients, um, you know, one thing that might work for someone else is very different than what might work for the next person. So like, for example, if you are having problems falling asleep and staying asleep, you're not supposed to really take a nap because you're supposed to consolidate your sleep. If you sleep fine, something that I find really helpful for my creativity and productivity is to do a little power nap during my siesta time, which is usually around two hours after lunch. I'm kind of a night owl. So usually for me, that's like three to four. And I've kind of conceded to my night owlness because what I'm trying to do is optimize, is to reduce the variability in my bedtime as much as possible. Because um, the more that is entrenched, the stronger your rhythm. So these are just some other little hacks. Yeah. And then I'll take like a 20 minute power nap at around three to four and really be able to address the next of the day fully present. Hmm. Yeah. See, I'm the ops. I'm not a night owl. Like <laughs> now I, I start to go down. I start to feel it around 8 PM. I'm like, Oh wow. Yeah. So I, that, and I think I'm, I think I'm pretty well trained now also. I think that's also the thing now is like, you know, when that time comes, you know, my, my glass, my blue boxing glasses come on. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've already, my last meal is normally around six thirty or seven ish, you know, last thing with the, I try to stay with the daytime I eat at night and get myself a few hours between my last meal and bedtime, because there's a huge difference in my sleep quality when I, when I don't space my meals out. Huh? Yeah. And so, cause I used to, um, I don't know. I think that that's one thing that's good with kind of having like a band, you could kind of see little differences like mm. that with your habits and behaviors. And so also what I learned is like, if I don't take time to, unwind from the day before I go to sleep hmm. that also affects my sleep because I think oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a little more of a high strung kind of guy yeah so yeah. I need to, so I need to uh come down so um Me yeah. Too. yeah so that's interesting about that so you mentioned that you know you're a night owl and I'm I'm not really a night owl what do you think is the easiest way for someone to kind of figure that out yeah I mean honestly um what one of the professors I work with suggests is catch up on your sleep and then go on a stress-free vacation. Um, and then this is to figure out your um, circadian rhythm and sleep need to some degree. Um, and then just try to go to bed at a normal, t at whenever you're most tired. Um, and then just try to, you know, sleep as much as you need. Basically, we, we're of the belief that unless you're depressed or have a um, hypothyroid issue, like if you can sleep, you should sleep. Um, and you'll fall into like a pattern, and that's probably close to your optimum pattern. That being said, there's about 30% of the population who are night owls, about 30% who are morning larks, 
and about 40% who are shiftable. And they're shiftable based on these environmental cues called Zeitgebers. Um, basically, it's a German word for timekeeper. And sunlight is the biggest one, but also, as you alluded to, timing of meals, exercise, um, even doing like really socially stimulating things at night can trigger it. Um, so regulating those things and like you can literally shift your circadian rhythm by like exposing yourself to a bunch of sunlight at like six to eight and that'll actually shift it later, for example. So if you wanted to do a biohack on yourself to maybe try to push your rhythm to be a night and I've gone through this a little <laughs> bit, like I've explored how much I'm shiftable in this space. Like there's ways of doing it um, with light exposure at certain times. Huh. And you know, also, that's a big thing when um like when I was traveling, uh, when I went to uh, Portugal and really um, I had my flight arrive in the morning. So, mm. I could take, so I could take advantage of that light and also have an easier time to keep myself awake. Mm. Yeah, there's a whole science to jet lag that I want to embark on, but theoretically... There's an optimum um, light exposure, meal timing, nap timing to counteract that jet lag problem. Yeah. So there's so much, so much to learn about sleep. I and mean, that's really, well, it's one of my favorite areas because there's, it's so much unknown in that. And so I could talk about this forever, but I want to be um, <laughs> respectful of your time. So let's do a few rapid fire questions. Go for it. So what are one to two books that have made a major impact on your life? I mean, I love Why We Sleep from a sleep perspective. I just got through um, The Alchemist, which I really enjoyed, about like following your true passion, basically. Yeah. Um, my grandma gave me Man and His Symbols, Carl Jung, when I was like 19. And that was kind of a really di way, different way of thinking about humanity that kind of formed a lot of my underlying thought processes i haven't read also, that yet so yeah it's like kind of heady also like a lot of my underlying thought processes processes are about um this idea of emb embodied cognition uh and there's this book philosophy in the flesh that kind of shaped a lot of my thinking uh early on okay yeah i have some new things philosophy in the flesh so i have to I go to Amazon after this. So nice. what are you most excited about right now? Um, I am most excited about really creating the system that works with all the best wearables. Um, you know, I don't have, I, I like being in this position where I don't have to pedal my own hardware because I think there's so much good, amazing things being developed right now. Mm-hmm. As a team, we're just excited to work with the best things. And I think it's a moment, you know, I've been trying to do this quantified self thing for a long time. I think we're at a moment right now where the big companies are sort of finally opening up their data um, such that a really comprehensive solution can be developed. That's what I'm most excited about. And how many hours of sleep do you get each night? I make sure that I get at least seven and a half. I try to get eight. And what that means for me is, you know, if you're spending 100% of your time in, and I do, I'm not like the healthiest person in the world, but like I always prioritize my sleep. 
and I think it's benefited me a lot. Um, but um, to or in order to get that amount, if you're spending a hundred percent of your time in bed asleep, you're probably sleep depriving yourself. It's not normal to sleep a hundred percent of the time. So to actually get that eight, I usually spend closer to eight and a half, even nine hours in bed, which might seem like a lot to people. Um, but a large percentage of the population probably really does need that. Yeah. And the next one is, and I think I know the answer to this, but have you thought about the type of impact that you want to make on the world? And if so, what is it? We want to make every human being sleep better and thereby addressing almost every chronic health illness and create a new personalized medicine that doesn't rely so much on blunt pharmacological interventions. Nice. And this will also, by doing this, this will also selfishly help me live a very long time in a high performing state. At the end of the day, I'm just doing this for myself. You know what I mean? I want to make something for myself that I'm going to love. And that's, that's something that helps keep. Yeah. You know, I I think oftentimes, you know, cause I, I kind of started on, you know, this career path myself and even starting to interview people for selfish reasons, because I want to learn more and better and advance myself, but then also then to carry it on to people. So I think, whatever, I think that's actually a good way to start. So you don't feel bad about that. <laughs> and yeah. lastly, if someone came up to you and asked, what are the three things I can do to unlock my human potential? What three things would you tell them? Um, I guess really a lot of it is knowing yourself. So, you know, there's so many like generic pieces of feedback that are given, but like know your sleep need. Um, that's something everyone should know, know your circadian rhythm. And then once you, um, you know, start embarking on this, the second thing is really to explore. Um, everyone's a little bit different and you're going to try different things out. Some things might work. Some things might not work. Um, but while you're exploring also don't, you know, be too, don't be too hard on yourself. A lot of times, you know, we were talking about this, um, a little bit earlier before the podcast, but you know, if sometimes when you fixate on some certain data points that you're looking at, it can do more harm than good. For example, mm-hmm. some people really focus on their deep sleep scores on some of these wearables. And I was telling you, it's not always that accurate. So, um, you know, iterate, try, but also don't be too hard on yourself. Got you. I like them. And where, is the best place to find all this good information? SonicSleepCoach.com. Um, and my coaching, I do like a couple hours of coaching a week for, for certain people. Um, but our software is available on iOS and Android, and you can check it out. We're about to, um, it has the sound mask, smart alarm, um, meditations, some of the uh, dream stuff, but it's very experimental in the deep sleep stimulation. And then in a couple of weeks, we're rolling out our Apple Watch, which is going to be our Apple Watch software, which I'm excited for. Yeah, so definitely check that out, people. Um, I can personally tell you that it is very beneficial. Before I broke my phone, and now I'm going without a phone for a little bit for an experiment, 
this was something that I was using on a nightly basis. So definitely check that out. Um, Dr. Dan, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. And I look forward to keeping up with your mini ventures. Thank you. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for tuning in. If you're finding the concepts I teach on this podcast useful and you want to stay up with everything having to do with optimizing your health, creating more energy, turning aging upside down, and living an optimized and limitless life, head over to theartoffitnessinlife.com and plug in your favorite email and I can share with you more specific actionable strategies and tactics to becoming your most enhanced self without the guesswork. Okay.